Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Dale Walker. I want to welcome you to our Leadership Podcast. We are looking at how to become leaders that lead like Jesus. I'm excited to have you listening. If you want the notes on this, you can get them at dalewalker.life. There's also a lot of other resources to help you grow in your leadership. Share this with someone if you are blessed. I know you will be. God bless you. And today we're talking a little about choosing how to lead with your attitude. And in Philippians chapter 2, uh, we, real, uh, we really see that at the heart of servant leadership, Jesus giving himself as the model, uh, he says right up front, uh, Paul says as he introduced how Jesus led, this idea of the importance of attitude. In verse 1, Philippians 2, if there's any encouragement in Christ or comfort from his love, if we share in common his spirit, any tenderness or compassion, make my joy complete. Being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or, or vain conceit. This is kind of the core of what we said, servant leadership. Instead of using people to somehow get our attention needs met or agendas met, we serve people the way that Christ did to get God's agenda met and his, his best benefit for people's lives. And so then it says, okay, here's how you do it. Verse four, not looking on your own interests, but each of you on the interests of others. In other words, focus in on other people's benefit and interest. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. And then, of course, in the New Living Translation, it says, have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Again, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but was willing to be made nothing, took the form of a servant, made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, death on a cross, and that is why God exalted him. And, you know, we think obviously about his glory and his worship, but also that is why Jesus has the greatest influence of any person uh, who's ever lived. His influence here 2,000 years ago is greater than it was at any other time. And it continues to grow and grow and grow. Uh, why? Because he had the attitude of a servant. He was given a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven on earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And then he just makes his first application. I'll come back to this. Okay, what does this mean? Um, he begins to say, uh, just as you've obeyed in my presence, do also in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who's working in you to will and act in accordance to his good pleasure. And then he hears the first application, quit grumbling and do everything without grumbling or arguing. And that's how you'll become pure, blameless children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. Beautiful, isn't it? Amen. Um, what, what I want you to see is this attitude is at the very beginning, the heart of this. It's how we stand out like shining stars. 
and and we've said that influence uh, salt and light. We change the flavor and we show show the light. That's what it means to have influence. We change the atmosphere and we give the light of God. And and at the beginning of it, it just speaks of attitude. It's it's our it's our spirit. Uh, you know, I've often quoted Rick Warren, who says, you can't be persuasive if you're abrasive. And so, you know, the first thing he says, if you're a complainer, if you're out there grumbling, if you're out there uh, being negative, guess what? You're not shining very bright. Uh, you're, you're actually hindering. And it's that attitude towards people that we've been talking about last few weeks. What do people feel when they're around you? That's the that's the highest thing of a servant leader. They begin to become conscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I helping people feel more important around me? Am I, am I elevating their sense of self-worth, value, and desire? Am I motivating them to love and good works and be their very best version for Jesus? Mm-hmm. And, and that, again, is an attitude. I, I mentioned this in, in relationship to the church, and I it says uh, Nordstrom is a successful, uh, you know, store. They, their motto was the only difference between stores is how they treat their customers. I always thought that was a good motto. Uh, the main difference between churches is how they treat people. And according to their study, why do customers quit? 1% die, which we said is a legitimate excuse. But other than that, 28% product dissatisfaction, they moved or price difference, but 71% say they leave because how they felt disrespected by the employees. So that's just a, a good thing for us to take into the church world. Uh, you know, I'm just conscious of that. Wednesday night, people gather at tables. I just often ask myself, how did, how did we make them feel today? Uh, from the moment they walk, how did we make those kids feel when they were walking down to their class? How did we make the parent feel when they dropped off their baby? And to to realize, you know, 71% of the opportunity to minister to them is gonna depend on how we make them feel. So that's all attitude. I love the quote by Mother Teresa. It's not how much you give that matters, but how much love you show in your giving. And again, that's Corinthians 13. You can give your life to be burned, but if your attitude is bad, if you didn't show love, then really it was not worth anything. I I just put this quote, always remember that ultimately most people's attitudes towards you will be the reflection of the attitude they feel you have towards them. I can almost guarantee you that if I ask you the name of the person you most admire, you will talk about some kind of of attitude. So let me just, just bring that up for a second, real quick discussion. Um, everybody try to think of someone in your life or your history that really, um, that really impact and, uh, that you remember today as a mentor, as an influencer. And, and then name two or three qualities about them that caused that to influence. I don't know why I'm getting an echo right now. <laughs> Any technology person know why? Anyhow. 
It might be it might be Donna's mic. Donna okay, could you all mute? Okay, thanks. Well, anybody here? Uh, one of you name somebody that you remember, teacher, friend, or someone that really impacted your life. Who can just give us an example? I had a coach. Okay, so we're hearing from Irma. Go ahead, real loud. Hi, guys. I, um, in high school, I had a coach, and um, she, she was always um, happy, positive, and when you walked in the room, she made you feel important. You know, you were like, if you talked to her, you felt safe. Um, what was her name? Her name was Jean Chand. Jean Chand. Yes, and she recently passed away. She was a, a coach of mine, and um, she she would always have a little bit sense of humor when she talked to you. And if you had a problem or something like that, she would um, look at you like you're the only person in the room, wow. and and really listen and and think about it and respond to that individual need. It wasn't just some general response she actually listened mm -hmm. and um made you feel important i guess and you know she just loved me anyway yeah she did tell me i was getting a little fat once <laughs> i think besides that she loved me all the time perfect example uh, you remember not because of her iq or her how many wins uh, her sport had right you remember her you just described it um she cared she Beautiful example. Who, who else has someone? Okay, Becky. <laughs> um, I moved to a new town, you know, sometime back up to Colorado. And, you know, you take your kids to school and you don't know any parents and everything. And there was a lady who reached out to me who just welcomed me right away, introduced herself. And she had just moved there too. And we're lifelong friends. What's your name? Today. Her name is Linda West, and she ended up moving to California, and I moved here. Um, but we still connect. But it was her way of just, she stepped out of her way to greet me and ask me to do things. And then we mutually connected. But it was that step forward yeah. to look at you and and say, well, who are you? And, and let's do something. And then we did many things at the school for our kids that were in the same grade. Um, and it just went from there. So beautiful. Well, I know we all have those and we'll, we'll do them in our discussion time, but I, I wanted you to call their names out because again, the names that you never forget yeah. <laughs> and uh, whatever age it was, and it always has to do with some attitude of love. And, and so that was the point. Uh, a third thing is our attitude determines how we handle problems. And we're going to talk about this in a, in a later lesson. But, you know, let me just tell you, one of the titles of a true leader is CPS, Chief Problem Solver. <laughs> I remember my mentor, John Wimber, uh, someone says, why do, does leadership have so many problems? They said, if there were no problems, you wouldn't need a leader. <laughs> the only reason you need a leader is because things get messed up. But how you handle the problems has so much to do with your attitude. Faith is an attitude. Faith is not about the confidence or hope that suffering of problems won't happen. 
it is the assurance that I that I will fulfill God's purpose. We will accomplish what God planned for us in spite of problems, that he will give us the victory. He will allow us to overcome. And, and that optimism is what people follow. They follow that because they see you're calm when everything goes crazy. Uh, you know, when you're teaching kids church and two kids are in a fist fight and someone turns over the Kool-Aid, uh, what is the leader that people want to follow? The one is smiling and calm, right? If you're freaking out, you're probably not going to have good leadership ability. But also just, we'll talk more about this, but the ability to have a victorious mindset versus a victim mindset. You remember the 12 spies, and I'll come back to this, but this is huge. Uh, 10 spies with bad attitudes took down a whole generation of 3 million people. Two spies with a good attitude, Joshua and Caleb, led another generation into all the promises God had for them. And, and if you look at it, what was the difference? One was, oh, the giants, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes, right? We're done. And the other was, we are well able to overcome. Uh, God is with us. And that, uh, that inner sense that you grow faith creates an attitude that gives influence. I like the story of, I heard about these shoe salesmen that were sent to some South Pacific island uh, to sell shoes for a project. And uh, one of them calls back to headquarters and says, bring me home, forget it. Uh, why did you send me here? Nobody wears shoes. Uh, I need to come home. And the other guy calls and he says, would you send a whole nother ship of shoes? Nobody here wears shoes, you know? I mean, it's the same circumstance, but one person sees the opportunity and the other sees the, the problem. And so this is huge, that inner attitude uh, as we're going to say over and over, you've heard it said, your attitude uh, determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. So what does that mean? That at any given moment, um, the plane is either going up <laughs> or it's starting down. And I don't know about you, but that can shift several times during the day for me. <laughs> woo, 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 woo. You know what I'm saying? But leadership is living on the incline. You're, you're consistently uh, overcoming. I also like the story of this guy at a chamber of commerce and people would come into the uh, chamber of commerce and say, what's this town like? And he would always ask the same question. Uh, what was your last town like? And if they said, oh, it was a terrible town. Everybody hated each other. There was nothing to do. He said, yeah, this town has got a lot of, problems you know if they came in and said oh it was the greatest place i've ever lived and everyone loved each other he said oh yeah this is the greatest town you'll ever come to everyone loves it why because everyone knows it's not your circumstance that experience determines your experience it's your attitude so if you had a great attitude yesterday uh, yesterday was great <laughs> if your attitude was terrible yesterday yesterday was terrible <laughs> And, and today is the same. So that is such a, a key thing. 
Uh, Victor Frankl, Nazi concentration survivor, said the last of human freedoms is to choose one's attitude towards any given set of circumstances. So the fourth one is our attitude determines our joy. Someone said happiness is doing what you want. Joy is choosing to like what you do. And I always like that. Uh, you don't get to do what you want that often, so you might as well choose to, uh, to like what you do. But again, it's, it's that attitude. And, and I wanted to underline joy because I, I'm convinced that the highest level of leadership is, is reflected in people's joy. When you, when you see a leader that's excited, they're happy, they're just like everybody who comes in the room like you just made my day because you came, you know I mean? They're just, they got a hundred reasons to be happy. You feel it all through their interaction. Um, their influence becomes so great. And of course, where you learn this the most is, is with kids leadership. <laughs> and, uh, I think all of you should volunteer with kids church and youth group, because if you can lead kids or youth, uh, you know how to lead with joy because no kid follows a, a negative uh, Eeyore spirit <laughs> leader. They immediately gravitate. Who's the funnest person in this room? And so that spirit is incredibly important. Now, here's the big idea. Attitudes are contagious. They're infectious, like I described the 10 spies versus the two. Attitudes along with prayer are what create the atmosphere and determine how much room there is for God to work. You know, many times you'll see that we'll try to do a very celebrative song at the beginning of the service. What are we trying to do? We're trying to create attitude. Why? Because if people's hearts are up, they're going to receive more. If people's hearts are bored, <laughs> if they're neutral if they're unmoved they're going to receive less and and so this idea is very intentional how can i help someone have an attitude that's going to help them receive from god and isn't it interesting the bible says faith is the substance of things hopeful what is it saying when there's an attitude of hope there begins to be faith it's just automatic you know if there's no hope there's no faith but if all of a sudden people are hearing, hey, we're going to get through this. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, my goodness. Did you hear that testimony? God healed someone of a disease. What's happening? You're lifting hope. And what happens when you lift hope? Suddenly people have faith. And in Jesus' hometown, they, they could do, he could do no miracles because of unbelief. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, everything positive that has ever happened or been done in the world has done, been done through the positive power of hope. Hope is the window that people look through that allows them to see how their world can be different and motivates them to do what they can do to make it so. Napoleon said, leaders are dealers in hope. So this is this idea. How much hope did you deal out today? <laughs> and and that's that's at the, the ground level of influence in what you've done. You know, one of the great leaders, have you all seen uh, Nick, the G6, the, the man with no legs and arms? Uh, if you haven't, I'd really encourage you to go on YouTube and hear uh, Nick. 
his story is remarkable because if there was ever someone who had excuse for a bad attitude, he, he would have it. And, and yet his whole message is, is based a lot of it on the verse where Jesus said, this man was not born uh, God, you know, blind because of his parents' sin. It, he was born that way so the works of God could be demonstrated in his life. And he said that verse saved his life because he wanted to die. Uh, and he kind of talked about it's hard to commit suicide when you don't have any legs and arms. But anyhow, finally, God said, no, this hasn't happened to you, Nick, because you sin, because you're bad. There's God's work is going to be demonstrated in your life. And he began to have hope and he began to become a world changer, going all over the world, and especially for the sake of, of disabled or, or special needs people. He has been a lifeline. Here's something he said, um, and I like this. He says, when you label yourself unworthy, you put limits on how much God can use you and bless you. Believing God is for you is not thinking that he will remove all of your challenges, but it is knowing that you will have enough ability in his grace to overcome those challenges. And I just think that's a great, a great attitude right there. Um, and how, how many know who... All of us have done it, put labels on ourselves of unworthy or unlovely or incompetent, whatever the label is, and it changed our attitude. <laughs> Whereas if we put on the label favored by God, it raised uh, our attitude. I'll come back to that in a second. So how do we have leadership attitudes that give us altitude? In observing Philippians 2, Jesus' example, we see that it comes down to three things what you believe, what you choose, and how you will respond. Having a great servant leader attitude starts with the beliefs you choose to allow to dominate your heart. It is the result of choosing a God focus and deeply internalizing thoughts and beliefs in God's promises uh, to govern your heart. An attitude is a mood and emotion and overflow of your heart that takes place by what your mind is fixed on or focused on, by the judgments and inner arguments that have shaped and created the framework or the lens by which you look at the world. As difficult as it is to recover, recover from what, I, what someone called hardening of the arteries, it is more challenging to recover from what I call hardening of your attitudes. <laughs> And how many know anyone who needs a healing from the hardening of their attitudes? Once an attitude gets hardened, it's an incredible spiritual disease. And most people don't even realize it happened. You know, all of a sudden I have a, a spirit of complaint or a spirit of victimization and it hardens your heart. Well, the change of that begins with your beliefs. And it's the incredibly uh, challenging thing of saying, will you do the work on, on your thoughts that it takes? Will you, will you challenge, as we talk about here, you know, casting down imaginations at every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God? You know, I won't go into the whole detail, but I've told you my story and being called to be a public speaker was a personal death to me. I had such insecurity. And so in those early days, the battle of my mind, I would hear a thousand voices. Now, what they were were the echoes of what I had told myself all through my childhood. 
But the devil just brought all those up to stop me from speaking. And it was, you know, oh, that was the dumbest thing anyone ever heard. Can you believe you said that? <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, you really aren't capable at all. Uh, you probably ruined somebody. I can't even, I won't even go all into it. Can I tell you, none of those thoughts let go of me by themselves. <laughs> uh, a hundred times I had to take the weed of some thought like that and replace it. No, uh, scriptures like this, God's strength is perfected in weakness. I may be weak, but I'm an instrument of God. <laughs> God's, it's not what I say, it's how God uses what I say. I'm not speaking my own words. I am sharing the everlasting word of God and it does not return. I, I can go over for about 30 quotes or declarations I made, but the point was that produces an attitude of confidence and an attitude or an attitude of, of unworthiness or fear. And I want to just highlight that one. We could do a whole lesson on this. But self-confidence is, is one of the keystone attitudes of an effective leader. You know, many people believe in God. They just can't believe in themselves. But that is so reflected in your leadership. People automatically gravitate towards someone who they see as secure, as uh at peace, as assured and confident, we can do this, you know? So I always think of Caleb. Who would you want to fall, follow out of all those 12? I guarantee it was Caleb. We are well able to overcome this. Come on, come out. Where are those turkeys? I want them now, you know? It's just this absolute boldness and confidence in the Lord. Um, always expecting a miracle and never giving up that kind of confidence and boldness. This is going to be the greatest thing. You know, I tell speakers, I say, you should feel every time you get ready a sermon, you know, this is the best sermon I've ever preached. This is amazing. Uh, you know, you should feel that. Why? Because that's going to help other people be influenced and receive more from you as you do. Um, and so what does that talk about? Well, we see with Jesus, he had a favor mindset or a victorious mindset. I'll talk a little bit about this in my sermon tomorrow, but it says he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was totally confident in who he was to the Father and who the Father was to him. He had nothing to prove. He knew. John 13 said he knew that he had come from the Father. He was going back to the Father. He knew that the Father was for him. He knew he was the beloved. He knew that verse, that word echoed continually in his heart. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This idea of saying it's going to be a lifelong pursuit of mine to walk with a favored mindset. I am favored of God. Because of what Jesus did for me, I am worthy to enter boldly in his presence. I am worthy to serve him well. He is for me. Who can be against? You know what I'm saying? These thoughts have to be planted in. We say you sow a thought, you reap an attitude. You sow an attitude, you reap a, uh, your actions. You sow your action, you reap your habits. You sow your habits, you reap your character. And you sow your character, you reap your destiny.
But it all starts with those thoughts. Philippians 4.8 says, Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. And if you want to circle that little phrase, it doesn't say try to have some good thoughts today. It says fix. I always think of it as nail it in the wall. Take that thought. It's not going in that wall by itself, man. You got to stick it in there and you got to hammer it into your mind until it sticks. Fix your thoughts on whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about such things that are excellent and worthy of, and it's so true. People who do excellent things think excellent thoughts. People who do mediocre things think me mediocre thoughts. People who do poor things think poor thoughts. It always starts at the level of your thinking. And so Paul says, let's go right to that. One of the ways that attitudes are especially, and I'm talking about attitude formation right now, which I'll just tell you, you know, we always say the first, the first person you lead and the most difficult person you will ever lead is yourself. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> if I could ever lead myself half decently, I would be awesome, you know. But the point is, the first place you lead yourself is in your thoughts. If you don't lead yourself there, it's going to fall apart everywhere else. But if you lead yourself well in your thoughts, it's amazing how influential you'll be. And so this was one of the key tools. I, I think it has a lot to do with focus. Matthew 6, uh, 22 says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. What is that talking about? It's talking about focus. Uh, if, if you're if you know, if you turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, what's going to happen? The things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It, it, I like the way it says, what I put in front of me gets bigger, what I put behind me gets smaller. So just tell me what you're putting at the front of your attention every day, and that's what's getting big in your life. And, and, and again, some of us have trauma. Some of us have incredible uh, sad stories. Some of us have terrible things. People are doing it in our life. The issue is not, will those things disappear? They're, they're there. The issue is, are they in front of you? Or are you keeping those behind you in order to put in front of you what is true and lovely and admirable and a good report? And, and that focus produces an attitude. Uh, one of the best ways to give focus is simply gratitude. Instead of looking at the discouraging things, focus on the amazing things God has done. Lift your awareness to him. Uh, I believe that the word awareness and attitude goes together. <laughs> the more aware I am of how God feels towards me, the more aware I am of the goodness of God, the more I'm aware of him loving me, uh, just the more my attitude begins to reflect that. Uh, we had fun a little bit, you know, and the last time I taught, I taught on, on love and I talked to the Filipino group and we all worked on this. 
everyone agreed to this, so I'll, I'll repeat it again. Finding great songs and pretending God is singing them to you. <laughs> and uh, they all said that changed the attitude of their life a lot. So uh, we began to, to just talk about songs that if we turned them to God, I know one one of the girls put on there, uh, Ann Murray's song, He Needed Me, but turned it in, He Wanted Me, you know, I was an orphan, I was thrown away, but you wanted me, you know, and then God sang it to herself, but I want you, I want you, and I have songs like, there's a song I used to sing, words could never say how much I love you, and I just sing it, words could never say how much I love you, Dale, words could never express how much you mean to me, words are not enough to say, Dale, you're in my heart, so I'll say it again and again. I love you. I love you more than words can ever say. I love you, Dale. Well, I'm speaking for God, and just simple things like that begin to create inside of you a favor, uh, an awareness. And music is a powerful way. So I love to sing to God, I love you, but I think it's even maybe more important to let God sing to you that he loves you more than words can ever say. Um, attitudes change when we take full responsibility for our attitudes, refusing blame and excuses. It's so much easier to say I have a bad boss or a work environment than to say I have a bad attitude. I find that most people have a very hard time just saying, oh, I have a bad attitude. <laughs> no, they usually say, well, the traffic is bad. Oh, I have a bad back. Well, yes, all that's true. But you also have a bad attitude. So come on. Just take that because you can't get rid of it until you take ownership and admit it. Personal responsibility is key. Uh, John Wooden said, your attitude will never take care of itself. You have to attend to it daily. You have to take control of it. You have to, at any moment, say, I choose my attitude. <laughs> So number one, you have to, it's what you believe. Number two, it's what you choose. It's what you choose moment by moment. And choosing is personal responsibility. Choosing is right now, I choose to admit, I am tanking right now. The plane is going down <laughs> because I just got full of self-pity. Right now, I choose to nail self-pity to the cross. I am choosing to be grateful instead. I'm choosing gratitude over pity, poor me. You know, guess I'll go eat worms songs. I'm choosing, no, God is good, even when life is bad, so forth. And, and I think that's a huge key point is, is that if you look at people, and I remember a Lucy in a, in a Peanuts cartoon one time, and, uh, and Linus was trying to cheer her up, and he tried to bring her you know, snacks and donuts. Come on, Lucy, Lucy, can, can you, you know, does this make you feel better? And saying her favorite song, does that help you feel better? And, and he kept saying, and it says, Lucy, why doesn't anything make you feel better? And she said, because I don't want to feel better. You know? and I, I think that's really the problem most of the time. I don't really want to feel better. I want to feel sorry. Okay. That's enough of that. That's getting convicting right now. All right. So speak to your own thoughts. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And then finally, attitudes change by actions. 
you know, you can, and, and I'm going to talk about that tomorrow a little bit, but you cannot talk your way out of fear, but you can act your way out of fear. <laughs> you know, an attitude of fear, like towards public speaking, I can talk myself till I'm blue in the face. No, you're not really afraid of public speaking. There's only one thing that breaks that fear. Get up and do it, right? It's, it's just the way it is. How do you break the fear of heights? <laughs> Go fly, you know, whatever it is. And so that's the same with an attitude. That's why the Bible always connects actions with the thoughts that create attitudes. Rejoice in the Lord always. It doesn't just say think positive th thoughts about the Lord. It says, no, rejoice. And by the way, the word rejoice means to spin around in hilarious joy and celebration. <laughs> How many know that might improve your attitude if you go home and do a happy dance? And shout at the top of your lungs, Jesus is good. You might start to change your attitude. In everything, give thanks, the Bible says. See, thanks is an action. Um, you know, with worship, I can tell you as a young person, when my attitude changed, I decided that when I went to church and worship, I was a front row worshiper. <laughs> I went right to the front got my hands up before the first song started, I you know, knelt, kneeled, whatever. That little decision changed my whole life when it comes to worship. I wasn't a hesitant worshiper. I wasn't a, you know, I wasn't, well, if, if that song, oh, if they sing my favorite song, I'm going to worship today. And so again, you don't have to go to the front row. The point is activate, activate. When you wake up in the morning, I can tell you a lot about your attitude by the first things you do in the morning. And I've often joked, it's, is your morning, good morning, Lord, or good Lord, it's morning. One of those two will affect everything about your day. Um, just your attitude towards authority. Just have you ever noticed it when you're asked to do something, especially practice this on your kids? You know, it's like everything from, no, I don't want to. Oh, I hate this. Uh, okay. Oh, God, why do I? Or, okay. Or I'm on my way. You know, I mean, there's just a whole slew of options that you could have. But I guarantee if you want to change your attitude, it's I'm on my way. If the Lord says, hey, Dale, I want you to go uh, pray for that person at Walmart. What am I going to do? I got to go to the bathroom. No, I'm on my way. That changes so much in your life. And so, again, I want to be a person who I say has a mindset that is continually choosing a posture, a pace, a way of responding that's positive, warm, enthusiastic, charged through the line finishing in my attitude. I want it to be a, a, out of an awareness of how good God is. I love the fact that Paul says, let the attitude that was in Jesus be in you. So you can have Jesus' attitude. That's pretty awesome uh, promise, isn't it? Jesus, I choose your attitude. You, I choose your attitude in prayer. My father always hears me. I know that he'll delight in answering this. I choose my attitude towards kids. No, they're not an annoyance. Let the little children come to me. I love kids. I choose your attitude towards, uh, towards others. I turn the other cheek. I, I bless those who curse me. Again, 
Let that mind, and I guarantee you, you will begin to have an influence in other people's lives. There's some questions here that we can we can talk about a little bit in our breakout group, but let me just read through this. Uh, the first one is uh, is to just well the second one has to do with let's just do an attitude survey real quick, and and out of these seven areas, let's just identify uh, attitudes that maybe you're most vulnerable to that are negative, and then we'll replace them with what's most positive, okay? So circle one of these that you see that, boy, some of these things, this one is a watch out. Uh, this, is, this is something that I'm red flagging. Fear, is fear attitudes problem, problematic? Fear of failure, uh, being negative about change. Do you have a, a negative attitude about change? Fear of what people think, fear of embarrassment, fear of not being enough. How about prideful attitudes? Overly critical, fault finder, have to be, have the last word in every conversation, name dropper, standoffish, quick to criticize, comparing yourself with others, too competitive. Uh, negative attitudes, pessimistic, worry wart, Eeyore, minimizer, complainer, labeling myself unworthy. Self-condemner, moody, dismal, killjoy, self-pity. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Um, are negative attitudes a problem? How about rebellious attitudes? Control freak, not God, I'm doing it my way. Uh, inflexible, my way or the highway, stubborn or disrespectful. Uh, selfish attitudes, me first, unforgiving, stingy, jealous, discontented, impatient, bossy, demanding, pushy. Uh, how about complacent? Some of us are actively bad attitudes. Some of us have passive bad attitudes. Are you more actively negative or passively negative? Sins of omission, sins of commission, right? Complacent, procrastinator, lethargic, mediocrity, not caring about excellence, good enough attitude, half-hearted, neglectful, emotionally distant, unresponsive person, uh, excuse maker. How about the area of unbelief, pessimism, or doubtful? Do you easily make excuses? It's not my responsibility. I'm not enough. I can't do anything. I'm a victim. If I try, I'll fail, so I won't try. Throw cold water on other people's ideas. It's no use. I can't ever trust again. I won't be burned. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too average. On and on and on. Uh, and then anger, resentful, or paranoid ideas. I can't stand those people. I'm going to get even. I'm done with you. I have a right uh, to hate or blame. Did anybody have just one of those that might apply to you sometimes? Okay, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, some of these pages are, are already completely marked, but we'll work on that. And uh, all I'm trying to do here is not condemn you, but to say self-awareness is huge. It's very simple. Leaders are more self-aware. They, even though they have the sometimes really bad attitudes, the first step is I really recognize that I had a bad attitude. That is just huge. That is first base. You're on your way. Way to go. Let's go. You know, we can go from there. Identify then three of those main attitudes that you want to stop partnering with and that you want to start partnering with God to replace identify the lies you believe, 
and reject them, even write a declaration of truth that express the new attitude God is calling you to choose. So you might say this, I have a fear of failure. My fear of failure is because I believe a lie. That lie is that I'm not good enough. That lie is that if I fail, it will ruin everything and I'll never recover. No, I replace that with truth. Failure is not final. God redeems my failures. God wants me to take risks. I'm a bold risk taker. I can overcome if I get a setback or two because God knows my heart. And as long as my attitude and motives are pure, God's going to redeem the stumbling that I make. See what I'm saying? I'm, I'm actually choosing to now take aim at one attitude that's, that's crippling me and replacing it with a new attitude. Um, so I love to do this. So I thought, let's just read. The last page is just uh, declarations. I always like to give you declarations that can help you get a jump start on uh, attitude change. So let's just read them all together. I'm a person whose prayers are powerful and effective. I love people and I'm excited to encourage everyone I can in the best way I can. I see the good in everybody and always put a 10 on people's head. I am highly favored and Jake, Jesus makes me worthy of all his blessings. I'm a forgiver who creates well-being for others. I hold no offenses or memories of being wrong. I'm a hope-filled person who knows the future will be better than the past, and I have the power to help make it that way. I am thankful in all things, full of joy, because I rejoice in the goodness of God and the promises he has given me, even when things are hard. I know that even if the worst happens, I'm okay and will rise to a perfect future that God has. I am brave and run at Goliaths in my life. I accept myself fully. I don't have to be perfect to feel good. I love the journey and celebrate the progress I am making in Christ. I am content in every situation with all I have because Jesus is with me. I am a radical encourager who is always looking for a way to build people up. I see people according to their potential, not according to their past. I love to laugh and choose to let God set a table of fun and blessing before me. Even in the presence of my enemies, my cup runs over. I am who God says I am, not what I feel. I am his beloved child in whom he is well pleased. I don't second guess my decisions. I'm a good decider because I decide by faith. I am unique and special. I have all of the gifts I need to be fabulously successful in what God has called me to accomplish. I don't look back at the past. I'm running for the future. My best days are still to come. I am adaptable and thrive no matter what happens. Amen. Boy, you guys are impressive. I want to be your friend. I think I... I, can you, will you be my friend? I, I just need friends like that. Wow, thank you. So let's just uh, take a minute. I think there's just the right number, Bernabe, uh, for you guys just to go ahead and have your uh, your meeting there and uh, a good number for us to just have a discussion here. So uh, go ahead and uh, 
Love you guys. God bless you. See you at church. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Pastor Dale's Leadership Podcast. It is our hope that you have been inspired in a great way. We encourage you to stay tuned for future content. May God bless you richly.